0: Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnout? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite and you're a go-getter and want to level
1: up, then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. It is the year 2024, and we are excited about the new year and what the new year brings, but also in that same sentence, we also have seen behavior on the rise. We've seen teacher shortages, paraprofessionals shortages. We have crazy things going on in school districts. You'll see it in the news. So, If you're an educator, maybe stay off the news once in a while so you don't see some of the crazy things going on and just focus on what we can control. And one of the things we can control is our classroom management strategies, right? All of that tier one strategies overall helps our tier two and tier three kids. Um, I want to preface the rest of this episode with I am not in an office today It is real talk. You may hear my dog bark in the background or my son leave out for work this morning with a door, but that's how we are. We're not in a studio. We're real people that just bring you strategies to implement in your class every day. So on we go. What we are doing today is 24 strategies, and I would like to say in 24 minutes, but we're going to make it in 20 minutes, 24 strategies in 20 minutes that you can take back to the classroom and you can use today. Are you ready to get started?
0: I'm ready. This is going to be a challenge, but I'm ready.
1: Okay. And we have, are we going to set a timer?
0: We probably need to.
1: So we can see how we're doing. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> we'll, we'll set a timer. We're starting in... You want to give me a countdown?
0: Three, two, one.
1: Establishing clear expectations. We want to establish clear expectations because if we have expectations, students are aware of what they need to do and how
0: to do it. The next thing that you want to do is you want to build those positive relationships with your coworkers, with your students. And again, think about some of the past episodes that we've done where you're able to build those relationships. The last episode that we published, if you hasn't, haven't listened to, will provide more examples and resources for how to build that positive culture in your classroom.
1: One way to build positive culture in your classroom is also to use positive reinforcement, some type of reward system, some type of motivation, a um, positive reinforcement system might include such things as class rewards, independent rewards, social activities, tangible rewards, all of the above, because then it hits anything that students are motivated by, because some students are motivated by different things. So if a student's not motivated by free recess or extra tech time, Maybe they'll be motivated by game time with a peer, so being able to provide all types of reinforcement to motivate students to engage in the positive, um, clear expectations that we have set from the start.
0: And you also want to be consistent, and this is hard um, to be that consistent person because sometimes you're like, oh, I can let that go, or I don't need to follow up on this, or I don't need to intervene, but really you do from the beginning, you need to be very consistent and if you um, are not allowing one thing with one student, you need to do the same with another student. So again, just every single time, just kind of building that consistency because they need to know that you're not playing around and just really focus on, yes, this is the role every single time and knowing and establishing those expectations like we did with number one, will allow you to keep those consistencies throughout because you'll have those protocols, you'll have those expectations. And again, you just wanna make sure you're following through even if it's something little.
1: Visuals, Um, humans are visual peoples. Visuals are everywhere, right? Think about it. We have stop signs, we have yield signs, we have um, red light, green light, yellow light all around us. We have visuals. There's visuals in the bathrooms that you go in So in a visual world, we want to provide visuals in our classrooms to reminder of what the expectations are and use those as signs and could be nonverbal signs. Maybe I have a a hand um, a sign for hand raising and maybe I put that sign up on the wall for using the restroom. So the students are reminded when they need to use the restroom, what symbol they need. Um, just those visuals, maybe, maybe it's a visual of their schedule so they know where they're at during the day. So that also sometimes decreases the amount of questions you might have in the day. It also increases engagement. So visuals are used in many ways. Um, also, if you have students that are less communicative, then you also use visuals with those students um, on behaviors of what to do and what to not to do, what's expected, what's not expected.
0: The next one is using if-then kind of language. So when a student needs to do something, you'll kind of say, if you do this, then this is going to happen. Um, and so, again, just using that if and then then when students are needing to complete something, if you do this, then you'll get this reward. If this happens, then this is going to happen. And that can just, again, really help students focus in. It breaks down the tasks, it's just two things instead of like nine different things that they need to focus on. Um, So again, that strategy can really work. And then if you add visuals on top of it, even better.
1: Proximity control sometimes just ne- being near a student, maybe they're an intention seeker and their preferential seating, you can have them in proximity to you so that you can have nonverbal reminders. Maybe you just walk by their desk and you're able to tap on it because proximity, maybe you're just circling the room and that proximity control, you know, if you're sitting at your desk and they're hopping on other things on the computer, maybe just circulating the room will stop them from engaging in the behavior you don't want to see because you're near them. And it's kind of like a cop, right? You're driving down the road, you see, you may be speeding because we all know, you know, we do speed every once in a while. Not everybody, but some of us speed. But we see a cop and just the proximity of the cop makes us slow down, correct? So, Think about that, it's just the proximity of having adults in the area. Um, and that's that's a visual sign to them that they don't engage in the unwanted behavior or non-preferred activity.
0: And then structure the unstructured. So when there are certain days or certain activities that are very unstructured, think about how can I add different procedures, different roles, um, different expectations to make it a more structured environment So that students know, again, those clear expectations and what's expected from them when there is that kind of downtime. Maybe it's a recess. Maybe it is um, you have a movie playing or some type of activity that is going to be unstructured. Again, kind of thinking about, okay, what is my expectation here for those students?
1: Nonverbal cues, nonverbal cues could be, you know, I know we've all had this, we walk over to the light switch, we turn the light switch off, everybody knows it's time to get quiet, right? That's a nonverbal cue to quiet down. Or maybe there's a certain look, there's a certain symbol. Maybe um, you clap your hands um, for to get students' attention. Maybe you have a buzzer that you've bought off Amazon, like a doorbell that you can ring where the students know the time is up. Maybe you have a timer per se. So lots of different nonverbal cues that you can use. A lot of times we'll say that I can see you before I can hear you as well. So the, maybe it is, you know, we all know the shh, right? Where you put your, and I'm only doing shh because we don't normally shush kids anymore, but maybe, you know, you used to have where you put your finger up to your mouth, kids know that means quiet. That's a nonverbal cue. Um, So, so many nonverbal cues that you can think of that could be just to help support. And if you get your students in the habit of recognizing what those nonverbal cues are, maybe it's only just a place that you stand in the room. Um, And when they know that you stand... In that place in the room, that it's time for a certain activity that you're going to do. So, lots of nonverbal cues that you can implement as part of your um, routine in classroom management system.
0: And then, routines and procedures having students really think about okay, what are those roles? What are the procedures? And practicing them. So, if a student does a routine or procedure incorrectly, just stopping the class free practicing that routine and procedure over and over again um, will really help them kind of know again those expectations and what is expected. But having those morning routines or when the bell rings and having that exiting the classroom team can just make things go a lot smoother because in some cases um, transitions can cause different behaviors. So knowing that, think about, okay, when I have my students coming in, I need to as a teacher be doing all these different things. You can't just expect your students to get started. So think about what is those routines and procedures that I can do to put in place so I am able to kind of complete my checklist of things of check-ins with students, making sure that, you know, they turn in whatever they need to do, getting ready for the day, and maybe it's making a morning agenda just to help them. But again, having them Get into that routine where every single day they're, they're starting to really just know. The beginning of routines and procedures takes a lot more time. So plan for that because they need to learn what your expectation is. They need to learn what they are to do when they sharpen their pencil. So think about those different things and how you're going to teach those routines. And sometimes it's through games as well.
1: All right. Um, when the excitement is high, the reinforcement is higher. When we have a lot of exciting you know, pep rallies, dances, different things that are going on, um, that may cause a change in a routine for a student or maybe it's around the holidays and students are getting excited to be off or out of school or things are winding down or you have pep rallies. So when the excitement goes up, we often see behavior go up as well. More kids are off task, they're more talkative, Um, they're just engaging in social activities outside of doing the work. So when the exciting days occur, we want to have additional reinforcement on those days, or maybe it's even just a substitute. Maybe they have a substitute and it's not necessarily an exciting day, but it's a change in the day because they have a sub. So we would add additional reinforcement on a day like that
0: as well. And then what you wanna do next is you really wanna keep your lesson engaging. So think about how can I keep my students engaged in the lesson? How can I make them active participants? And what I kind of like to do is instead of thinking, how can I ask questions where students are raising their hand? What tasks can I give my students? So every single student has to participate. When you have to have every single student working to solve a problem or answer a question on a whiteboard, then you're really going to grab their attention. They're going to be engaged in the learning because a lot of times when one student raises their hand to answer that question, everybody else kind of loses engagement. So again, get your students kind of working on different tasks, have them um, be active in their learning where maybe they're sketching uh, what they're learning. Maybe they're building something. Maybe they're explaining something maybe they're working in collaborative groups but again focus on how can i engage all of my class to answer this question rather than just one or two students at a time individualized support
1: is number 13 that we are on thinking about individualized support is all kids need different things some kids need more help with math. Some kids need more help with reading. Some kids need more help with behavior. So knowing that um, equity looks different for different students, they have different backgrounds, and individualized supports might be needed for our Tier 2 or Tier 3 students. So identifying what that support looks like so we're able to provide them that support, just like we are with any other subject or content area. Some kids might need a little bit different. So thinking about that as like a behavior RTI, um, providing that individualized support in classroom management, and maybe it's not even a tier two or a tier three student. Maybe they are still a tier one student, but still need some type of little extra individualized support.
0: And then you want to make movement a part of your activities, too. Students um, are sitting there for a very long time. I did a shadow a student day, and the amount of sitting that I did was insane. I was sitting in class listening to instruction majority of my day. So think about how can I get that brain wave so students are moving, they're getting more energy out, and maybe it's students are walking across the room doing kind of speed dating with other students. Maybe it's four corners where they have to go to a certain quarter to answer a question. Maybe you just take them outside for a quick five minute walk around, um, just to again, get that movement going. And during the winter, I feel like this is a lot harder than when the weather is nice. So think about how is it that I can get my students up and moving, whether it's a quick dance break or again, answering questions where they're doing some speed dating with other classmates, or answering those questions using those four corners? Clear communication and
1: clarity is super important in classroom management. I think about if you're going somewhere and you don't have the directions to get there, and you're riding in the car, and you're with your husband, and you got the GPS on, and The GPS is saying one thing and somebody else is like, oh, no, we should turn here. My GPS is saying this. If you don't have that clear knowledge of where you're going, what happens? The voices get louder. There's confusion. You make wrong turns. You do different things that maybe you're not going in the right direction. Maybe you have to turn around. You're in a parking lot. Who knows what's happening? But my point is, if there's not that clear communicative direction of where you're going, then it causes stress and anxiety. So if we're not clearly communicating with students, the direction that we're going, the things that we're doing in the classroom, then it causes some stress or anxiety or misdirection or extra questions, Um, so clearly communicating with students, the direction that you're going, it's very valuable when we're talking about classroom management. If people don't understand, then that's going to increase the amount of off-class behavior in classroom management.
0: And then the number uh, 16 is conflict resolution skills. And a lot of times, people do not have these skills, and we have to teach our students. So teaching them how to work with groups, how to um, express our feelings and give feedback is really important. So think about that and consider that when there are, is conflict within your classroom. Have I been teaching these skills? Have I been modeling these skills? Um, what do I need to do to really help these students learn these skills? And these skills can be really taught during morning meetings. And you can kind of do some role playing or talking with students about conflict and how how do they Cover and how do they give feedback and how do they um, address recess issues? So, again, just be aware that and don't assume that students have these skills. They need to be taught these skills. And so, just think about when can I kind of add this into my schedule? And again, I think morning meetings are the best time to kind of focus on this, but then also using reflection if something does happen in your classroom.
1: And number 17, group setting arrangements. This is really important when you're using um, group activities within your classroom. The way you organize the groups. how Who are you putting together? And also thinking about the personalities. Do I have personality clashes within my group? Do I have a bunch of leaders in one group? And then in another group, I don't have many leaders um, and I have more of my little worker bees. So thinking about like how you group your students to have different participants working together um, and structured that can help make the group setting low, or maybe I want to mix up the groups, maybe I want to have multiple leaders and and multiple other students in a different group, that way students can learn in the other groups to become leaders, so it depends on what we're looking at and what we want to get out of our group, but thinking about how you arrange those groups can have valuable piece to that classroom management, because if we're having students that don't have the conflict resolution skills that we just talked about and they're grouped together, that may cause some conflict, knocking off that group setting and um, whole group activity that you're doing.
0: And then number 18 is self-regulation skills. And this is where we're kind of getting students to really reflect and monitor their own thoughts, their feelings and behavior. And so, mindfulness can help with this, acknowledging emotions, maybe it's um, exercising like that quick dance party, reminding students to get enough sleep, and just helping them remain calm when there is that pressure. So, again, helping students with that adaptability and being able to really focus on their own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So, either providing that time for them to kind of reflect or do some mindfulness activities, can really help your students when they're kind of building these skills and providing them opportunities to reflect on different situations in your classroom. Just like that conflict resolution, you wanna provide time for them to really think about, okay, what happened before this situation, what happened during, and then what happened after. And allowing them that think time for some students to allow them to process and really think through on their own And then having that conversation with them and kind of talking through can, again, build that self-regulation to help them monitor and hopefully use that in the future.
1: Transition times. Um, We lose students a lot during transition. Um, They get off task. They start talking, um, get focused on other things. So working on those transition times, playing games, beat the timer, get additional points, um, teach executive functioning skills so they're more organized so they're able to get out their papers and they know exactly where they are or organization in the computer so they know where things are in the drive so they Can transition quicker so that way you don't lose them during long transition periods if it's taking five minutes to transition between group activities number one you're losing teaching time but number two that's when we see behavior amp up so plenty of different strategies to help reduce that transition time
0: and then you want to build a growth mindset and how you can do this with your students is just reminding them to fail forward and try And when you're building this growth mindset, you also want to think of the safety within your classroom. Are students able to fail? Are students able to speak up if they disagree? Are students really able to be themselves and try? But when you have that growth mindset, you're going to have a really positive culture because your students feel safe in your environment. And so think about different ways. There's um, Khan Academy has some resources on building growth mindset where they have quick videos to really help different students um, kind of, again, build that growth mindset so that they know that they can do anything, even if it's hard and having it be kind of changed from, I can't do this yet rather than I just can't do this. So thinking through how do I build that mindset within my students and what is it that I need to do um, in order to help them grow?
1: Reinforcing other students, Um, going around the room, calling out students, for what they're doing correctly can sometimes trigger in the brain um, visuals for other students that are not doing it correctly. And also when you have a student that's attention seeking, we know if they're not getting the attention and they see somebody doing something positive and they get are getting the attention, hopefully that also triggers that Piece in their mind and say, hey, if I'm doing this, I will get attention as well. So walking around the room, you know, great job, Johnny, for staying in your seat. Great job, um, Susie, for getting out your notebook. Um, whatever it is, the behavior that you're wanting all of the students to have would be a way that you would walk around the room and reinforcing those kids for doing the right thing. So that way other kids are working towards
0: that reinforcement as well to get those things. And then again, practice, repeat, practice, repeat and practice. Um, So with these, you kind of want to remind students of the expectations, especially if there's a long weekend or a long break within the school year. But again, just keep practicing, keep reminding students. It is harder at the beginning, but I promise it gets easier as they learn the routines and procedures. Praise in public
1: and correct in private. Um, We always want to um, praise out loud just as we're going around and reinforcing other students. We're giving that acknowledgement of doing the right thing. But when we are correcting students, we want to do that privately calling out a student embarrassing in front of their them in front of their peers or maybe just them realizing that they get attention out loud if they engage in a negative behavior so we don't want to provide that attention because then also they get peer attention if you call it out loud and we don't want students to engage in those negative behaviors because they're getting that out loud attention Or we don't want students to be embarrassed or shamed in front of their peers. Just like you wouldn't want to be called out in a group of your peers. If you did something wrong, we don't want to call our students out in front of a group of their peers.
0: And then reflect and adjust. So listen to your students and adjust. So if they're communicating something, think about it. And maybe even create a class discussion about how you're going to adjust as a class. Use their feedback to really help. And... Make those adjustments within your classroom if a procedure is not working. So again, really reflect and think about it, but you can also use reflection within the students and then help them adjust. What is it that you need to do different so this situation doesn't happen again?
1: And that's that's a wrap. That was 24 strategies, and I believe we were not making it in time. <laughs> I didn't think we, I think we were like three minutes over. So we really did 24 strategies in 23 minutes, I believe.
0: That's not bad. That's not bad. We're close.
1: We Next were, step we'll made it. <laughs> we could have changed it to do 24 strategies in 24 minutes.
0: Yeah, that probably makes more sense. We would have made that that might have made a little sense. Yeah. But we hope that you're able to use these strategies within your classroom. And a lot of these different strategies have been talked about in deeper episodes. So if you're like, Oh my gosh, what were they talking about when it came to relationships? And what were those strategies? Check out some of the earlier episodes um, to help you kind of build those positive relationships within your classroom. But again, those are 24 tips within 24 minutes. Um, And we hope that you had a bunch of different ideas and strategies popping in your head to support you for the remainder of the year and moving forward. So until next time, make sure that you control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look
1: forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos. Until next time.